I am your host, Joelle Alexandria Weir, and welcome to A Future for Us, where I conduct audio documentaries, interviews, and stories as it pertains to us in our modern world. Check out our Instagram, A Future for Us, and for inquiries, email afutureforus99 at gmail.com. If you want to get to know me a little more, follow my public account at joelle.a.alexandria, J-O-E-L-L-E, and my Twitter at wjoelle, links in the description. Welcome to part two of Are We Living in a Post-Racial Society, featuring Sophia Suleiman. In part one, we talked about woke activism, white apologies, Black Lives Matter and Is It Working, and introducing anti-Black racism in different communities of color. In part two, we will talk about how politics is personal, American and Canadian news, and which one is dominating, personal experiences we've had. Can minority communities be racist? And much, much more. Welcome to part two. Yep. So, yeah. And speaking yeah. of speaking of Trump, mm. do you think American news dominates in terms of racial tensions and prejudice, especially like when you're just seeing it on TV? Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. I think I think American news number 1, I think it is also created before I can talk about how American news dominates, I think it's created a negative it's created an image for Canadians to believe that we are better. Mm-hmm. Now, I think that's super wrong because like I was doing some more research about this cuz to be honest, when it comes to things being racist, like I'm still learning. I'm still like, I still need to do more reading. I I have a lot of work to do. I'm not claiming I know everything. But when I was, when I was trying to read up on this, I just find it very interesting how the United States to this day still has this perception that, oh, all Canadians are nice. And that's the thing because media dominates, American media dominates. So then that's how the world perceives us, including Canadians. We think we're great, which I mean, we finally had this conversation in a sense on Canada day where it's like a lot of people as immigrants are grateful to this country. This country has given us a lot, but then we also have to acknowledge that this country is taken away. It's stripped from so many individuals, such as mainly indigenous folks. And I feel like it's kind of like when you love someone, you have to take the good and the bad. Mm-hmm. And when you kind of like, when you kind of just talk about the good and and push away the bad, then you're number one, like completely ignoring someone else's history. You're deval- devalidating that. And you're saying what Canada's done for me is more important than what it's taken from you. Mm-hmm. And I feel like we shouldn't be comparing stories. We shouldn't be saying, this is how it's good for me. And, th- but this is how it's bad for you. So like, we shouldn't be, we shouldn't be saying one is better than the other. You know, like I feel like yeah. I, I read this really cool post about how it's saying that you shouldn't be comparing people's struggles because people are different. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think I think um, we have like we have a lot of things to be ashamed about. Um, I think 
we people I think education is the biggest thing I feel like we don't know enough about our own history um we don't know enough about the dark past of our history um and I know people are busy I know people have hard lives and it's not that people don't want to be invested I remember we had this debate in journalism class like do people just not care about what's going on Oh, yeah, yeah. And I think it's, and I I just think it's like, we have too much going on in our lives and how Professor Dvorkin mentioned about like the threshold and how much we can consume. Mm-hmm. And I think we just have to like, like you said, break out of our, our, break out of what we're comfortable with, break out of just like listening to the news stations every day, try and maybe find some podcasts, try and, I know, but I know it's hard. I know it's hard for so many people, but there's just so many things that Canada has work to do, like police brutality. We still have, we have police brutality. We have, we have to face the trauma, like Indigenous people are still facing the traumas of residential schooling. Um, the Chinese, uh, the head tax for Chinese immigrants in our history, like the colonized education, the missing and murdered Indigenous women are just like some of the things that are going on in our history that we need to acknowledge and I think be more aware of. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, American media does dominate because I feel like in a sense, and this is where I I got not a little bit upset, but it's just like, it's very much about like a black and white tension. Yeah. Where the conversation is bigger than that. It's about mm-hmm. we're blaming people, but we're not looking at the institution itself that has kind of taught us to believe this way. And there's also so many other groups in our world that are going through so much. There's so much racism in other countries that we probably will not even know of because mm-hmm. either we don't want to look or we don't know how to find it. And I think that's the biggest thing. It's like, even though like I took two journalism courses and I, I will be taking more journalism courses throughout my life or throughout my university career, I still don't know how to find good sources. And I feel like not enough people are trained. And I think this is where, like, it would be really cool. Like, this is what I was thinking of, to have, like, this training toolkit mm-hmm. on media and journalism 101. Because yeah. if you've never taken a course, if you if you are busy, if you don't know how to navigate, there's just so much out there. And I think it's done on purpose to kind of get us confused. Yeah. Number one, make you confused, make you scared. Yeah, so then you'll just, like, revert to where you feel comfortable. Exactly, and to also be like, I'm tired of this. Mm-hmm. Because I think, and that that that's also coming from a place of privilege, when you can say, I just want to turn this off. Because a lot of people can't turn off what's going on in their lives, and in, in their world. But I think we have to kind of find a balance to to take care of yourself, but also learn and educate yourself yeah and I think that's why we need to build the tools yeah and I remember him talking about that especially when we have to figure out what's fake news or misinformation versus disinformation so misinformation is basically where you have like misinformation or false facts are spread unknowingly and people just think they're right because they sound right or whatever and then disinformation is the actual act of um of not spreading actual awareness and slipping in false facts just to confuse people on purpose. And I feel as though definitely civilians or just regular people who aren't journalists and don't 
do research on a daily basis about the news need to have a toolkit in order to like source which what what sources they can trust so they're not just being pumped full of information that is not okay or is not up to date or that's very harmful and like it's always important to take a step back and i feel that was very important especially i don't want to say when the rise of the black lives matter protests because again it's been happening for well over for the whole forever it's been happening forever even before black lives matter became a hashtag or became an organization and a lot of people were like oh i don't want to look at the news and it's just very overwhelming and they're doing it on purpose like they're making it overwhelming on purpose just so people will not associate it with change or positivity they'll associate it with negativity and seeing like people going to the streets and rally seeing all those dark images and Something That's, like something to be overwhelmed. Yeah, something to be overwhelmed. So that nobody will talk about the truth because no nobody wants to feel overwhelmed <laughs> and nobody wants to feel like misinformed. But it's at the same time, it's like a give and take. Like take a break when you need to. And I've definitely taken a lot of breaks over this past summer where I just kind of like went more into fiction and watch TV and all that stuff, which is really good. But it's still the reality. You can't escape it. Yeah, you, can't. you can't, really can't escape it. And that's why every, it's so tiring. To just keep, like having this discussion about race and having a discussion about like just human rights in general, about everybody needs rights. And somehow that's political. Somehow that's political. And that's really scary. Wow, that's... Yeah, I this can't. whole thing about, about... I just heard these terms of when... Like being apolitical versus political, ahistoric versus being historic. Like, I, 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 could you explain that more to me? Because I, I've been trying to understand. Like, some people are saying being when things are politicized, it's not a good thing. Is that correct? Because things should not have to be politicized to have an impact or voice. Like, I, I'm kind of confused when I've been reading about that. So. I guess, hmm, I guess we can just, things being politicized is basically, I think it's, you know, I can't even speak on it because I don't know exactly, but when I hear things that are, like, when, when I hear things that are considered political, it's basically on whether it's right or wrong in my opinion. So how masks have been politicized, people think it's right to wear them, people think it's not right to wear them because it doesn't it won't stop COVID-19 for whatever reason. But we we we've, we've learned that masks definitely do help and that it's important, but it's still politicized because there's this whole group of people who are like, "No, we don't want to have to wear masks." And then there are other group of people saying, yes, you do. So I feel like political definitely means like a difference between right and wrong and what people feel about it. Uh, okay. think- that's, why, that's why I've seen posts of like saying it's not political. Just wear your mask and be a yeah. good person and like stuff like that. Yeah. Like, so people yeah. are forgetting the human aspect of it. Yeah. So especially uh, in America, I don't... Uh, like, because I'm trying to, I'm trying to stop just focusing more on American media, but it's so easy just because, like, I live here right now. Yeah, it's and, your country. Yeah, and this, that's where I'm getting more news. So I definitely have to be aware and get out of my own bubble just to see what's going on in the rest of the world. But yeah, definitely here, masks have been very politicized, and people don't want to wear them. People have been kicked out of grocery stores. People have been cursed out. People have been 
doing the cursing because they don't want to be oh my gosh it's it sounds so weird they don't want to be um discriminated against oh my gosh I can't, but like they don't want to be treated differently just because they don't wear a mask. But it's for your own safety. Like we're, it's not just about how you feel, and you that's where we, yeah, and that's where we have to consider human rights. And we're all trying to protect human lives. Not everything is political. It's just what's good, and 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 then there's a difference between right and wrong, and what people feel. So it's it's your feelings. It's really just you're in your feelings. Yep. Wow. And then it, uh, and that's kind of funny because a lot of, or not a lot of politicians, but especially the stigma about women in power and how they'll be too in their feelings. But everything is based on right and wrong and how you feel about it. So everyone's Everyone. in their feelings. That's and, so true. Yeah. And I'm just like, oh. like, <laughs> wow, this is so, it's so trivial. And I guess that goes back to what you said about humans are more like what than we like to think. And we'd all like to think that we're, we're all different and unique, of course, but it's it's more than just like skin. It's based on like who you are, but we're all, we all have the same tendencies and we're all just like, we're all just trying to follow our own like moral compass. But in the long run, it's more just about how we progress together. So the less we focus on ourselves and the politics, the more we can actually progress. That's how I feel about it. I'm not sure what apolitical means. Does that just mean you're not political? I think so. Right now, not interested or involved in politics. So I think if if you don't want to be interested in politics, see, I don't think I don't like, know because it's like, like you reap, but you reap the benefits of that, right? Isn't that technically? Like if, you're apolitical, if you're apolitical, but for example, get free health care. You know what I'm saying? Like you're using the services. Oh, so you're using the services, but you're not participating? Yeah. So then like, what's the point? Like why? I think that's that's also kind of dangerous. I thought apolitical just meant that that you're you're just how do you not be political though? Because I feel apathy like- or antipathy to antipathy towards all po- political affiliations. Being apolitical can also situate where people take an unbiased position. Oh, so like if you're independent, <sighs> yeah, like un. It's this political neutral without political attitudes, content, or bias. But I don't know. I think technically everyone has a. I think that's just another way of saying ignorance. Yeah, because, like, the thing is, is politics doesn't have to be only in government. I feel like, especially, like, in your daily life, you are political oh, yeah. with everything you do. Be- because you're within an institution, family, institution, education. Your work is probably an institution. There's always, always hierarchies. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think it's just another a synonym of ignorance, I think. Yeah, like, yeah, I, I don't think there's any way to be apolitical or just not have an opinion on, on, on anything, because that in itself is political. Like, you'll never escape. Oh, yeah. Just, like, not participating escape. and choosing not to be a part of that system is like, okay. You're still well, choosing. Yeah, you're still choosing to do it. So, exactly. wow. Like, oh, I love these, like, ooh, just like, Deep. I feel like philosopher. Yeah. Philosopher. Okay, so I want to talk about woke brands. And yeah. that's definitely something that a lot of people have gotten a chance to cringe at. And 
it's just so interesting how this is trendy all of a sudden. Because I feel like cultures that cultures that are less represented, you've always had the chance to actively include them, but you didn't. You chose not to until it looked bad for you. Yep. 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 That's where where the performative comes in. That's what I think. It's like, that's where it's like, I don't, this whole intentions thing can be so blurry for me Mm -hmm. because this whole idea, maybe people did need to be called out though before, or they just chose not to do anything about it. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, that pay up, step up or pay up, whatever that, or step up like the where where companies had to disclose how many of their board members oh, yeah, employees. Yeah. I think it was I think that was a really cool initiative to hold people accountable. Mm-hmm. But what do you agree? What do you think about people like firing people right on the spot because they said something or they did something? Like did something racist? Yes. Okay, I think. Hmm. Because I have a very. I, I I have, like, a different perspective to this, but, like, people may disagree. I think that you're firing someone just for what they said. I feel like a lot of people – it's kind of funny because people sort of think of it as a little bit of, like, entrapment that they can't, like, say what they believe. And I'm just like, okay, but that, does that really need to be said? So, basically, they're they're worried about their freedom of speech being – being stopped or being more monitored but i feel like that's important when you live in when you work in an environment but uh, firing someone on the spot it doesn't instill a lot of fear and i think that fear can be used as a tool to progress not progress but instill more prejudice just because that like that has a negative repercussion so if you fire someone because they're, they're, they're racist or w- what they said, they'll probably be resentful towards that and probably not actively go against that. I think there needs to be more education. But if it's, I agree. If it's, yeah, if it's reoccurring, then that's where it's like, okay, stop. And then if there's a history of it, that's where people go back and like look at your Twitter, look at your Instagram, see what you've said. And I saw a case where it was a guy who like trapped a bunch of bigots in a facebook group and then shared it with their employers that okay i think that was kind of that was kind of over the line and kind of baiting too because he definitely participated in it and he wasn't white he was a black person behind like a white screen but also like not not just kind of like inside um poking them and like getting them to respond but he was just there as like putting them all together and then reporting them so I oh feel that that's a lot of like resentment. It's a lot of like entrapment. And that's very negative. Like it's it's not a game. It's really not a game. Just just be aware of everybody else's lives and just we we want we want human rights for everyone. It's not about exactly. trying to like trap people and punish them. It's about education. I think that's that's what I believe. I actually believe the same thing as you. Mm-hmm. Um like I think sorry, I'm just plugging my laptop. One second, one second. Oh, it's okay. Um, sorry. Uh, okay. Let me see this charge. All right. I actually, I completely agree with you. I just think, I think a lot of this, like, 
firing people on the spot, in my opinion, is super performative. I think a lot of people do it to save face and to like keep the people they keep their customers and consumers. I think firing someone number one is the easy way out. I think number two, it doesn't it doesn't really highlight the systemic problem. More so it's like you're just getting an individual out rather than acknowledging that there could be a bigger issue. Mm-hmm. Number three, I feel like who knows where these individuals are coming from in their lives, in their lives, who knows their worldview, who knows if they've received training on how to talk to people. Cause a lot of it, like a lot of times there may be like racist intent, but there could have, there could be miscommunication and misunderstanding. Yeah. Not say, not excusing it, but it could be a possibility. So that's why I think education is the biggest thing. Education training and just changing the system itself. And that's the whole anti-racist model, which I think is so important. But that's why this whole like companies just firing people on the spot because of one thing they said or one thing they did. Obviously, if it's reoccurring, I understand. But if it's like a one-time thing and people are actually trying to rectify their past or they're present, then I don't see the problem with that, you know? I just think it's more, there needs to be more of a discussion because you're right, like, if someone, that does build resentment completely because then people might not want to change. Or, like, they might hold that against them and be like, anything I say, anyone can just take and just, like, what's the point of, what's the point of learning? Mm -hmm. Yeah. If every time I make a mistake, they're going to be, like, extreme repercussions. Yeah. Yeah, so. I definitely agree with that. And then that goes into the point where it's, like, we're trying to build a movement where we're more aware of that and where we learn together. So my question was, is Black Lives Matter working to advance Black lives? And I I feel as though people take it and they just run in different directions with it and go like really against what it's used for. So it's not used to punish other people. It's not used as a weapon. It's used to give black people the same rights as any other person and other people of color, of course, and also intersectionally other people of different sexualities and other people of different class and other people of different, um, of different genders so it's like the way we're using it right now needs to be reformed what do you think about that um obviously i'm black i'm not black so i can't speak on the experience but from what i noticed it's apart from the whole performative thing i feel like it has it has made a big impact in a sense where now that you're saying that people are taking it and run running with it, that could be for any movement though, Mm -hmm. people taking with it and running with it. I think there may need to be more of like a common consensus and just, I think people just need to re, I feel like if, if you keep restating the goal, that will kind of sink more into people because I feel like, 
when it comes to movements, it's not just about seeking justice and seeking what's right. It's all about, it's once again, it comes down to feeling Mm -hmm. what has happened in your life. What has happened in someone else's life, a a sibling's life, a, a life of someone of your fellow, of your fellow a, a fellow black, like a, a fellow black person, you know, and it does bring a lot of emotions because it's like you're seeing someone who could easily be you, could easily be your family, but you're also relating to like, there's like an empathy. There's like a common, like there's a common um, feeling of like of sadness and loss. And it's just constant. It's been a constant. And that's why, like, I read posts, like, saying, check up on your black friends. You know, obviously check up on everybody, but, like, mm-hmm. going – you guys are going through a lot, right? And I think that's where things can get misunderstood, though, because it is very emotionally heightened. Yeah. But how can you not bring emotion to it, you know? It's it's very personal. It's very – it's very personal, um, but it also has opened a lot of doors for a lot of other communities. Um, like as a South Asian community, we we talked a lot about anti-blackness in our community. We talked a lot about colorism in our communities. Um, now people are actually standing up to like companies like Fair and Lovely for their their branding and what they stand for. So I think it's open so many doors for a lot of other communities to become more honest, to become more aware, to see, to understand, like, we are contributing to this. Mm-hmm. I never even knew what the model minority even meant until this conversation came about from Black Lives Matter. So I think this movement, and we've learned a lot throughout our, like, I, I learned that it was through the civil rights movement that a lot of South Asians got to come to the United States to immigrate, uh, immigrate here, there. Um, So I've learned a lot through the black lives matter movement. That isn't just about, that isn't just about the black lives matter movement itself, but more about even my own, my own, my own culture, my own community and how there's a lot that there's a lot that stems from this whole model minority and the anti-blackness and the racism and colorism. So I think that's where it's kind of, I think it's kind of work. It's, it is working in that sense. I just think that when people say, Oh, just have a conversation with someone who's being racist, stand up to them. Although I agree with that, it's very much easier said than done. And my friends, my South Asian friends and I were talking about this. It's like, you know, like we, we do want to speak up against this, but it's especially when you have very conservative family members or people who just genuinely don't listen. What do you do? Yeah. Like, how do you have that conversation that, that is also respectful because you don't want to make them, you don't want to be like, you don't want to antagonize them. Mm-hmm. Because then it's like, it's not a dialogue anymore. It's more of an accusatory attack. So yeah, that's how I feel about it. Yeah. I feel like this is exposing a lot of different, a lot of different problems with the way we address social issues, especially when it comes to social media. And remember when everybody was doing like the blackout and they had like, they did black screens. I, I'm really guilty of this. 
And I mean, okay, let me let the audience know that I am black. I don't know if that needed to be said, but yeah. But um, so I was, I felt pressured when I saw all the black screens saying like hashtag blackout or hashtag black lives matter. I was like, oh my gosh, let me like post something. But then it turns out that I was actually doing more harm because when you're doing hashtags, it clogs up the feed for um, information to be spread when you look up the Black Lives Matter hashtag. So I didn't do hashtag Black Lives Matter. I just did Black Lives Matter with like a black screen. I ended up deleting it, though, because I'm like, okay, well, what was the point? There was nothing there. There was no information, no no donation links. There was nothing there. It was just Black Lives Matter matter with like a blackout screen and apparently um when when people were saying blackout tuesday it wasn't just supposed to be like a black screen it was supposed to be uplifting other black voices but then yeah when the art i mean not the art but even the action of just blacking out your post is hurting us and i'm just like wow that was that's like that's that's just a that's a good case to reference when you're talking about misinformation. Cause a lot of people, when they heard that they didn't think it meant actual uplifting black people. It just meant, they thought they meant the color black. How, yeah. how weird is that? How weird is that? So it was so interesting. Actually, I, I didn't even know, like it was until I saw a friend's Instagram story mm-hmm. where, where they were saying the reason why blackout Tuesday or, was was a thing like what the purpose of of that of uplifting black voices and all that and I was like oh my god it's so easy to just it's so easy to just read something and be like okay I need to do this yeah out of obligation or out of pressure whereas it's like even like even that challenge like that the challenge about po- posting black and white photos without people realizing of like the genocide going on in Turkey, for example, mm-hmm. it's like, it's very easy with, with, with social media to read a post and to just follow what they're saying and to just listen and just to comply because number one, it's like easy. You don't have to research. Technically, if you're, if you're trusting the sources accurate, you don't have to research anything. And it's at your fingertips. It's like you're on Instagram. It's kind of like you're doing a good thing while you're procrastinating, you know? Yeah, yeah. So it's just so easy to get caught up in that misinformation. Yeah. Very easy. So this is the last question as we wrap up. Mm-hmm. What do you hope people take away from this conversation? I hope people take away that that everyone is at different levels when it comes to understanding race. Yes, there is a definition, racism. Yes, there's a definition. Yes, there are things that you should not be doing, but it's more complicated than that. It's bigger than that. I feel like, I feel like more people need to talk things out than just like keeping their feelings suppressed or also enforcing people to feel a certain way. And that comes again from feeling. And I think we talked a lot about that during this podcast and how we're so similar, but we also come from d- very different places that in the sense that we may all feel differently. And it's just trying to see how different people feel and not be like, okay, but I feel like this. Because it's very easy to take something like Black Lives Matter and make it about yourself. Because when I was younger... 
when I first heard Black Lives Matter, I never understood the notion of it being about rights, about saying you're not talking about that lives, all lives are not important. Because I, when I was younger, I, I used to be like, okay, but there's so many other atrocities going on in the world. Not saying that that, that wasn't one of them. But I was just thinking like, when I was like 12, 13, it's like, what about us? But that's the wrong questions. That's the wrong things to be saying. It's not about what about us. It's about, they're totally different topics. And that's the thing with race, you race and racism, you cannot be comparing, you cannot be saying that, oh my God, like, this is less important than this. And this is more important than that. No, we're talking about different things. Yeah. And I feel like when, when we make it less about us and more about the movement itself and what it's about talking about human rights rather than just like trying to separate each other and more about one humanity and people having the rights that they need to live. I think that's when we'll have a different conversation. Yeah. And I hope that people take away this, that I hope people take away from this conversation that it's important to be aware of yourself, but it's not like you're limiting yourself from reacting or acting in a certain way because you're fearing that it might it might not be a popular opinion. I feel like it's okay to let yourself feel that way, but then assess it, assess it and recognize what about it is inherently wrong and what about it can you use to learn from. So I I love education. I just love how it's just, it goes beyond the classroom. It It goes beyond university. It just, it's what we use in real life in different situations yeah just like to really process things and think critically about how your actions impact other people so i think that's so beautifully said joelle oh my god i should tell you that thank you so once we once we recognize this only then can we create a future for us thank you for listening thank you for having me Thank you for listening to A Future For Us. Are we living in a post-racial society featuring Sophia Solomon? This was the last episode of the series, Are We Living in a Post-Racial Society? And I hope you enjoyed it. Coming soon will be more political and social topics as well as environmental journalism. To hear more episodes, this podcast will be available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts coming soon. Thank you.